Welcome to the podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. I'm Pastor Kristen Stone King. Our mission at Epworth is to live out God's love for all. We strengthen our faith as we worship, study, develop a creative, supportive community, and serve others. Together we encourage each other, challenge each other, and welcome all people on their journey of faith. And it's hard at the end of the day I need some distraction Oh, beautiful release Memories seep from my veins Let me be empty Oh, and weightless And maybe I'll find some We are a reconciling congregation, meaning that persons of all sexual orientations and gender identities are welcomed to help transform our church and our world into the full expression of Christ's inclusive love. We are a sanctuary church advocating for the rights and dignity of immigrants, and we stand in solidarity with the movement for black lives. Our podcast blends a taste of the music that we experience here in worship on Sunday mornings, along with a scripture reading and a message. Chapter 1, 
verses 5 to 25. The birth of John the Baptist is foretold. In the days of King Herod of Judah, Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly order of Abijah. His wife was a descendant of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Both of them were righteous before God, living blamelessly according to all the commandments and regulations of the Lord. But they had no children because they were unable to conceive, and both were getting on in years. Once when Zechariah was serving as priest before God at the time of the incense offering, the whole assembly of people was praying outside. Then there appeared to Zechariah an angel of God. When Zechariah saw him, he was terrified, fear, Fear overwhelmed him, but the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will name him John. You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of God. He must never drink wine or strong drink, even before his birth, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. He will turn many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. With the spirit and power of Elijah, he will go before him to turn the hearts of parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. How will I know that this is so? For I am an old man, and my wife is getting on in years. I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and bring you this good news. But now, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time, you will become mute, unable to speak, until the day these things occur. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondered at his delay in the sanctuary. When he did come out, he could not speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision. He kept motioning to them and remained unable to speak. When his time of service was ended, he went home. After those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and for five months she remained in seclusion. This is what God has done for me when he looked favorably on me and took away the disgrace that I have endured among my people.
continuation of Luke 1, verses 57 to 80. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that God had shown great mercy on her, and they rejoiced with her. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him Zechariah after his father. But his mother said, No, he's to be called John. And they said to her, None of your relatives has this name. They began motioning to Zechariah to find out what name he wanted to give him. He asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John. And all of them were amazed. Immediately, Zechariah's mouth was opened and his tongue freed, and he began to speak, praising God. Fear came over all the neighbors, and all these things were talked about throughout the entire hill country of Judea. All who heard them pondered them and said, what then will this child become? For indeed, the hand of God was with him. Then Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke this prophecy. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has looked favorably upon his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a mighty savior for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke through his holy prophets of old. And you, my son John, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people. By the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet in the way of peace. John grew and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day he appeared publicly to Israel. So ends the telling of the birth of John the Baptist.
pray with me, please, the words of preparation, which are printed in your uh, digital or print bulletin. Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Well, today is the first Sunday of Advent. It's a time more colloquially known as the Christmas season. It's a time when we prepare for the birth of Jesus. And for us Northern Californians, a lot of Christmas season imagery of snow and frosty windows and lights twinkling through thin, cold air doesn't exactly land. Sure, it can be cold. It was a little cold this morning, but we better not tell our friends and family from the Midwest or the East that when we say cold, we mean that the high might be barely above 60. (laughs) So I'd like to invite you to travel back in time with me to a Chicago winter with lots of blowing and deep snow about 30 years ago. It was January, and I was in seminary doing my clinical pastoral training at a hospital on the west side of the city. Sunset was at about 4.30 p.m. A group of pastoral interns had just begun our rotation and were gathered with our supervisor to receive our clinical assignments. This would be the unit and the floor with particular kinds of persons and needs that we would spend the next several months with. It would be the focus of our training, and for those who wanted to continue as professional chaplains would be the beginning of an area of specialization. Each of us was asked to communicate our preferences, and I was stuck. The unit that I was most drawn to was obstetrics and gynecology, I loved the idea of working with women in an arena where their particular needs and experience were central. But I was very nervous about being on a labor and delivery unit. It wasn't that I was squeamish about the messiness of birth. Just a year before this point, I had acknowledged that I was gay. And with all the joy that came with this realization and self-affirmation, it threw into question for me something that I had taken for granted before. Would pregnancy and birth and parenthood be a part of my own story? I didn't know. And my feelings about being a chaplain intern in a place of new babies and new moms were complicated. I was afraid I might need to grieve what had long been a hope to be a parent. And I didn't want my own stuff getting in the way of others who needed a chaplain to be present for them in their time of need. I imagined there were similar moments for Zechariah and Elizabeth who we meet in our scripture for today. Elizabeth is a Judean woman said to be an ancestor, a descendant of Aaron, living in the Galilean countryside. Zechariah was her husband. At the point 
we meet them in today's scripture, we learn that Zechariah and Elizabeth had given up on having a child, but we can only guess there had been times before this point, many years before, that they had been expecting to become parents. And yet they began to wonder if this would be part of their story. Years passed and they concluded that no, this was not going to be it. But then surprise and a miracle, a pregnancy. An idea that had been tightly held to, then released, comes back around. If this sounds familiar, it's because there are other stories like this in the Bible. Abraham and Sarah, Hannah, the mother of Samuel, all longed for a child and once each had released their hold on a particular future, what they had once longed for showed up. In those days, bearing a child was a sign of status and worth, and bearing many children, especially male children, meant financial security for a family. At first, when I think of the mores and stratifications of this patriarchal society millennia ago, I feel the distance of the years, and I fall into thinking that their situations were so different from today. But societal expectations of women and normative ideas of what constitutes a family continue to create pressure and even judgment on choices and situations relating to childbirth even today. It's so easy to get caught up in the literalness of, the, of these birth stories, just like it's so easy to be lost in the eyes of a newborn baby. But I submit to you today that Zechariah and Elizabeth's story is not so much a story about a baby as it is fundamentally a story about hope. When I say this story is about hope, I don't mean hope that they would have a baby. In fact, when I imagine Zechariah and Elizabeth as younger persons, I think their longing might be more accurately described as desire or expectation. I think my own first ideas of childbearing and creating a family had much to, had much to do with desire as as in I wanted this picture, this experience, and I expected it would be available to me. Zechariah and Elizabeth, as we meet them in today's scripture, represent an orientation toward hope, of trusting in God's presence throughout history, and the necessity of offering our best to the future without having control over it. The hope I'm talking about is what shows up when we let go of our wants and our expectations. And it is into this void that God can enter. The orientation of the heart that trusts that God will come into that void is hope. The womb is a kind of dark void. In narratives through the ages, both darkness and emptiness have been used as metaphors for something to be feared, 
But the narratives of advent, of dark and chaos and void and birth, call us to a different understanding. Cole Arthur Riley, the creator of Black Liturgies, writes, Advent in Christian traditions is a season that coincides with the time of year when the days get shorter and the darkness of night stretches on for longer and longer. It's a time where we make space to name our deepest sadness and fears as we wait for the belonging, justice, and liberation that is coming with Christ. We practice waiting together through the uncertainty of the dark for a promise to be fulfilled, for the light of the world to be born. And she goes on, yet it's also a time when we hold memory for a God who dwelled in the sacredness in the blackness of a womb. The dark is a place of life and formation and sacred mutuality. As God depends on God's create creations to keep hope in the flesh alive. It is in the holy dark of a womb that we place all of our dreams. And perhaps that's why fear can so often be found in the dark. It knows and has always known that the dark is a strategic place to colonize because of its unique capacity to bear the divine. Thinking back to that time almost 30 years ago in a hospital in Chicago in January, my days began in the dark of a late dawn and ended in the dark of an early sunset. And there's a reason why hospitals employ chaplains. In hospitals, we often have to face that the stories we had envisioned for ourselves may not be. The diagnoses for ourselves or loved ones create an unknown. Plans and timelines and agendas go out the window. A disorientation sets in. These are moments of crisis. As painful as these moments are, it is often at these moments that we are most able to hear God. And often we need help hearing God. Sometimes we need a bearer of good news who is there, ready, with a word of hope. These are Kairos moments, moments where our plans, our timelines, and agendas give way to God's time, God's hope. Hope is the exquisite emptying of ourselves to lean with joyful expectancy into a future that is not of our own making. Advent hope is the belief that the God-sized hole in each of us will be filled. The message from Zechariah and Elizabeth is that it is the letting go of our wants and expectations that allows us to hear the voices of angels among us. The angel Gabriel comes to Zechariah and says, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you will call him John. I've always felt like Zechariah's story was my story. My wife is Elizabeth, 
And the child that came to us when I released a narrative that was not ours is named John. Though the story doesn't map perfectly because I was the one who gave birth to John, not Elizabeth, and we're both two women. So maybe it's a 21st century version of Zechariah's story. But I do know I am a person who had a story for myself that had to be released to enter God's story for me. What story do you need to release? What of your timelines, plans, and agendas are getting in the way of God's own Kairos moments? Are you listening for the angels among you? This is the good news of Advent. God transforms our longing into hope. And in hope, a child is born to each of us in a story that makes no sense and that we could not have predicted. We cannot control this hope. We can only listen to the good news it speaks and respond to its call. This call is the call of hope, to trust in a future that is not of our own making, but to which we can contribute our faithful response. In this way, we too can become bearers of good news. May you hear the voice of the angels saying, do not be afraid. And may you also be the bearers of good news, holding hope, leaning into hope, and sharing hope. Amen. podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. Wherever you're located, we'd love for you to take a next step in growing in faith in this community. Our online worship is at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings on Facebook, YouTube, and on our website at epworthberkeley.org. Or you can fill out an online connect card at epworthberkeley.org backslash connect. 
Have a great week. Take me, Lord, and purify. Heal me with word. Oh, I beg a gift I dare not claim. Find it in myself to let my songbird go.